In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. Good morning. As Stuart mentioned, my name is John Newton. I serve as the chief of staff here in the Diocese of Texas. It's really great to be back at St. Francis this morning. I always enjoy my time here so much. And so, Stuart, thank you for having me, and thank you for having me. It's really an honor to be your preacher this morning. And I'm a little embarrassed to admit this, but my favorite television show is The Big Bang Theory. If you're unfamiliar, it's a sitcom about uh, a bunch of nerdy astrophysicists and their neighbor, an actress by the name of Penny. But the reason I love the show is because there's one character that never fails to make me laugh, and that is Dr. Sheldon Cooper. Now, Sheldon has far too many oddities to name, but my favorite Sheldon quirk is the way that he relates to gifts, because as a scientist, Sheldon is very measured and calculated, and he always keeps the relational score, and so to him, a gift always feels like it's an obligation. I mean, the very idea that one would give freely with no expectation of reciprocity, this idea just does not make sense. And so on the show, whenever Sheldon gets a gift, he always panics because to him it feels as if he's now in that person's debt. And so, for example, whenever his friend Howard gives him a gift that he values at $8, Sheldon is quick to pull out his wallet, give him a $10 bill, and then politely ask for $2 change, right? Because that balances the relational score. It's all even. No one is indebted to anyone else. Um, Now, to me, these scenes aren't just funny, they're actually brilliant because they reveal how uncomfortable we can be whenever we are the recipient of a pure gift. And that's why there is something about today's gospel that is deeply offensive to our inner Sheldon Cooper, um, to that part of us that does not like to receive, especially when we haven't done anything to earn the gift And it's a gift that we know we can't reciprocate. Now, on the surface, um, today's gospel is pretty violent and shocking. People invited to a wedding decide to kill the postal workers. And so, in retaliation, the king has them killed. People from the streets are then brought in to take their place, which, you know, seems to work fairly well until one of them gets hogtied and thrown out for not wearing the free tuxedo. And so clearly, Jesus was not telling this parable to instruct us, but to shock us, to undermine the very assumptions we bring to our relationship with God. Because as I often say, Jesus did not tell parables to teach us moral lessons or to illustrate well-known truths. No, the reason Jesus told parable was to shatter well-known truths in his day. And if I had to summarize the particular well-known truth, the conventional belief that this parable was meant to shatter, it goes something like this. That the kingdom of God is a reward for good behavior and that our seat at God's party can be earned. Because if today's gospel tells us anything, it's that the kingdom of God can only be received as a gift and a gift that we can never repay. And I don't know about you, but I struggle with this a little bit because we live in a world predicated on reciprocity. 
It's a world that teaches us to earn, measure, count, keep tabs, and return favors. Um, It may be exhausting at times, but at least we know the rules of the game. Because this game, wherever we give a little and we get a little, and where a place at the table is always earned, is all that we know. And what Jesus reminds us in today's gospel is that when it comes to the kingdom of God, everything we think we know is wrong, and that God does not play by the rules of our game. Um, C.S. Lewis was once asked by a group of his colleagues at Oxford about what he thought made Christianity unique. All religions present ethical challenges. Other religions have stories of virgin births and gods walking the earth, and so what, they sneered, makes Christianity any different, thinking they had stumped the great C.S. Lewis. What makes Christianity different, he asked rhetorically before giving his one-word response? Grace. The one-way love of God. The generosity of a God who throws a party in our honor and clothes us with the robe of his favor and who searches the streets to make sure that no one is left out. The heart of our faith is grace. And so with the time we have left, I want to share two things I get from this parable about what I think the transformative grace of God means. First, if grace means anything, it's that with God, there is no such thing as a contract. That's my take on the wedding robe, right? The man who refused to put on that robe the king provided, he wanted to be at this party in his own metaphorical clothing to hold on to the idea that he actually deserved to be there on his own terms. In other ways, he was unwilling to part ways with his contract. And I get that because I often have a hard time parting ways with the contract I've written up for my relationship with God. Um, Because in some sense, I think we all want to know exactly what God expects from us and what we can expect to receive in return. In other words, we give God our time, our energy, our money, and our service to the church, and we expect God to reciprocate with his favor or maybe divine blessings, however we define that. And so whether it's conscious or unconscious, I think that we all have some contract that we bring to our relationship with God. Um, There's a popular book that came out about 10 years ago called The Art of Negotiation. I'm going to go on record and say that I do not believe God has read that book. Because one thing God does not do with people is negotiate. God does not negotiate with people. He just loves them and saves them and heals them and throws them a party and hands them a perfectly fitting robe at the door as a gift. And so whatever contract exists in your mind between you and God, that contract exists only in your mind, which is another way of saying not at all. Because this idea that faith is a contract and that if we keep our end of the bargain, God will keep his, this is not a problem of the spiritual life. It is the problem of the spiritual life. And freedom and joy only start to happen in our lives whenever we hand God that contract and let him rip it up. Um, And we begin to relate to God and each other through the robe 
of sheer grace. Um, But second, a point today's gospel makes crystal clear is that God's grace may be very, very delightful to our soul, but it can be really offensive to our ego, to that part of us that wants to earn our seat at the table. And so to illustrate this, um, let's say hypothetically that it's my birthday and my wife Emily hands me a gift. And upon opening it, I find a book, the title of which is 10 Steps to Becoming a More Thoughtful Husband. You know, and so I scratch my head because this book is not on my Amazon wish list. And so I ask Emily, I say, why have you given me this gift? And she just says, well, because I think you need it. Um, Now, thankfully, this has not happened yet. But if it did, this gift would actually be bad news before it was good news because it would reveal a very embarrassing need. And there's always a sense in which the grace of God is kind of like that gift. Grace reveals our weakness. It reveals our need. It uh, offends that part of us that wants to feel like we have earned our seat at the table and that part of us that wants to feel superior to people who have not. And that's why receiving grace, accepting acceptance, whether that's from God or from another person, requires tremendous courage. But it's a courage that is essential if we want to make a love-spreading difference in our community. Because here's the thing, if there is only one law that is consistently true in the spiritual life, it's this. We can only give what we ourselves have received. We share the robe of grace only to the extent that we learn to put it on ourselves. And so in closing, um, let me say this. Two weeks ago, we celebrated my daughter's second birthday. And as she sat on my lap and people at the party gathered around her to sing happy birthday, I was deeply moved by the face of a child that clearly delighted in the gift of having other people delight in her. In other words, I was moved by her tremendous capacity to receive. Unless you change, Jesus once said, and become like a child, a child who can receive, a child who's not too cool to put on the wedding costume, a child who wants everyone else to be at that party too, not wasting time trying to figure out who deserves to be there. Unless we change and become like a child, we will never understand the kingdom. Because the kingdom of heaven can only be received as a gift. There is no contract. And the relational score is never balanced. And whether we are good or bad, we always have a seat. Now, is that a gift that we can ever repay? Absolutely not. And that is the reason we have gathered here this morning to worship. Amen.